Thanks for tuning in to the weekly podcast, a Three Brothers Media production. Before we begin, here's what's happening across the 3BM network. On Thursdays from 9 to 11 p.m., Evan, Matt, and company host the weekly Dream Stream on the official 3BM Twitch channel. You can watch them play and discuss multiple games, including first-person shooters, sports, trivia, co-op campaigns, and more. Game of Thrones fans should check out Brothers of the Rewatch to hear Evan and Matt discuss each and every episode of the Game of Thrones series. They'll highlight events, prophecies, and anything else that might foreshadow the outcome of characters and plot lines to prove or disprove the popular notion that the writers failed the fans. And as always, be sure to follow 3BM on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following the links in the show notes. Now, without further ado, please enjoy this week's edition of the Weekly Popcast with Evan and Matt. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Weekly Popcast presented by Three Brothers Media. I'm Evan, recording in the Three Brothers Basement Studio in stormy Northwest Ohio, and I'm joined today by a voice that you need to get used to. From Cleveland, Ohio, it's Matt Keske, my brother-in-law. Matt, what's up, man? Not much, man. We uh, had a terrible night of hockey, so I'm ready to take my mind off of it with some popular culture BSing. If you follow the the 3BM Twitch stream, you can see us play hockey every now and then, at least a couple times a week. And yeah, the last couple of days have been uh, pretty brutal as far as wins and losses go uh, in overall quality of hockey. But uh, this podcast isn't about that. Uh, the goal of this podcast, at least the first segment, is to give you a look at uh, what's going on in the TV, movie, video game world from our point of view. Uh, we'll talk to you about what's what we've been watching, what we've tried to watch, and maybe what we're not so fond of. And maybe you'll agree with our takes, maybe you won't, but at least you'll get, I guess, a fresh, unfiltered perspective on uh, everything that, that we've been seeing. Um, and then in our second segment, we'll have a guided discussion about certain topics. Uh, today, and, and for all shows in the foreseeable future, we'll be talking about one of Matt's greatest passions, which is Disney. Um, we'll review an old Disney flick or we'll talk about new releases or just shoot the breeze on any Disney stuff that, that we care about and want to talk about for the week. So um, that'll be a very guided section uh, that I'm looking forward to because I know Matt is a, a walking Disney encyclopedia and I'm excited to tap into the, his brain and uh, get some more info on uh, Disney. And I think you'll find it interesting as well. So I think we're both definitely looking forward to it and we'll get right to it. Uh, Matt. One of our passions, both of us love Game of Thrones, and yep. we have already had our Game of Thrones uh, rap show on our Facebook page, but um, we just had a documentary come out about the last season. And I know that during the documentary, you texted me and said that you're pretty passionate or you were pretty uh, intrigued by what you were seeing. What was your overall um, overall take on that game of thrones documentary i loved it man I, I i think i sent that to you about the hour mark and there was another hour left so i was excited i could have gone for five hours it was so cool to see all of the different behind the scenes aspects of that show i was just sitting there geeking out about the costumes man if i just walked into that costume tr trailer tent cathedral that they had basically it would have blown my mind to just go, oh my God, there's the Stark costumes. Oh my God, there's Daenerys's wig. Oh my God, like that's me fanboying about this so hard. But it just, 
it blew my mind also just to think about the amount of work that goes into those shows. We heard all year leading up to this big delay of season eight where that these were like feature length animated or feature length. I'm on Disney feature length movies productions. And they truly were, man, they were out of this world with both the scope of the cast and the extras to the costuming and makeup. And then the quality of just each individual uh, executive and the kind of layers of work that goes into what we take for granted as the 60 hours of our week or 60 minutes of our week is just incredible. And I think, I think in the back of my mind, I, I knew how many people it took to put on the production and um, the, the documentary really highlighted exactly what it took. They had some kind of obscure roles that they highlighted. You had the, the facilities director, right? The lady that um, made sure everyone was, uh, taken care of she handled the bathroom facilities the extra facilities um, like extra facilities is in the facilities for the extras in the show. <laughs> yep, yep. um and just the overall coordination of the the job site uh or the 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 shooting site and then you had the guy literally the just the guy f- that blew the fake snow all over the set right Ooh. and and how big you don't even think about it but how big of a role is that when you're in belfast ireland and you have all of this um rain it's only rain right and he was able to make it look like and sorry it is northern ireland um no offense to my uh, irish folks but um (laughs) yeah it, it always rains and you had no idea in the show and what a role that guy played in really the overall production yeah, I took it for granted. I, I, how much snow we saw, especially between Winterfell and all the different places, and the fact that basically this one dude with buckets of wet paper goes around and chucks it everywhere, and he has the final say on how much snow, what it looks like, where it goes. You could tell. I mean, he was the fi- flying solo on the one episode. It was, it was, <laughs> it was an incredible detail that I think we all overlook uh, in something of that scope. So there was a scene in there that really kind of humanized the actors. Um, and, and it was during the table read, right? And they all got super excited when um, it was read that Arya would, would stab the Night King and, and kill the Night King. And then the thing that touched me the most was that, like, obviously these people hadn't read the script. Now, Kit the, definitely the, had not read. Well, obviously, right. yeah. But the people that died, uh, from my understanding, they get a call from the directors before they see the script. The directors say, hey, you're going to die. You're going to read this. You're going to die. Um, and by the way, there's spoilers throughout this whole show. So um, if you haven't seen the last episode of, or last season of Game of Thrones, you probably want to turn this off. But um, but catch he, up, he, for goodness sake. Yeah, yeah, what are you waiting for? But uh, Danny knew, or, or um, uh, Amelia Clark. Amelia, yeah, she she knew, and then John reads this and hears it, and you you see Kit Kit Harrington reads this, and he is just you can tell he's flabbergasted. Like he has no idea. He starts to cry, and it looks like he's got a look of panic on his face. And she's sitting there nodding her head, smiling, kind of enjoying his his look. But um, how nice was it to see just actors outside of acting just being themselves? And and what, what I mean that meant a lot to me. Yeah, I loved it. I, I've always wanted to be an actor. It was kind of a, a childhood dream of mine. And thinking about uh, the level of attachment that they get to these characters, especially. Uh, we saw it with Danny the last time she put her hair on. It just, uh, it, it means so much 
that transformation that they go through. And it was really, really cool to see the initial impetus of that transformation, especially before a big scene like that was. Well, yeah, and it's every morning of shooting that these actors and actresses have to go to um, the makeup tent or the hair tent, whatever. And so Danny or Amelia, it's tough to separate the two, but Amelia every morning would go to the exact same lady and get the exact same thing done to her hair. And the, I'm sure they grow a bond like this lady that you've never even heard of. You've probably seen her name in the credits if you decided to study those. But yeah, um, you just don't hear about these people, but they have a connection to the cast. The makeup actor that or the makeup guy that did Jim Carrey for uh, the Grinch Who Stole Christmas, he had to go to therapy afterwards because Jim Carrey was such a psychopath. It's yeah, pretty well documented. Uh, so it's amazing when you see folks that actually get along really well. And what about the uh, the stunt coordinator who goes to be the Night King? Oh, and man. <laughs> he goes out to the people in Spain. He's like, do you even know who I am? And they're like, yeah, you're the Night King, dude. We know. <laughs> dude, he was loving it, too. Can you imagine, though, like you're a stunt guy and, and you never get the appreciation. And actually, uh, Quentin Tarantino, which we'll talk about at the end of this segment, has a new movie coming out about stuntmen. But, um, he, he, yeah, he, he's a stuntman. He, he coordinates and choreographs all these hand-to-hand combat scenes and sword combat scenes. And all of a sudden, they call him up and say, hey, do you want to be the Night King? And it's like you go from never being on TV or at least not being seen on TV to the most pivotal figure in in the series, really. Yeah. Um, and it was super cool. He, he was hamming it up with the crowd. And yeah, like you said, he walks up. Do you know who I am? Yeah, you're the Night King. And he's all pumped up, gets selfies. And um, you could see him before that. He was standing up by the door of the hotel. I'm presuming it was a hotel. Um, standing up there and and keeps looking at the crowd. He's like, "Should I go over there? Should I go over there? Ah, yeah, maybe just maybe just a couple pictures." <laughs> and so he's like a little kid, all excited. So that was pretty cool. And then the masterful job they did of portraying the story of the extra and what it's like. And that one guy that was in multiple different scenes. I, I sat there and was like, "I actually remember that guy." But he's got a big long beard. He's an old Stark, and he identifies as a Stark dude, you cannot roll by with a Bolton jacket on or he will call you out. And his great, like <laughs> Irish brogue or whatever he had, like this thick, thick British accent. Um, and then the way that he just reacted emotionally to the last scene that he was in, I, it doesn't get better than that, man. That's say what you want about game of Thrones. Anything you want to say, you can't say anything bad about those people in that documentary i have got a qualm about the documentary but i won't necessarily share it you will later um oh but but yeah i i think that was cool too and it said you know they said he was a big fan of, of the show right he's um just loves the show knows all the history and um yeah that guy walked past with the bolton jacket and he clearly knew what that meant he told him to get the hell away and um <laughs> joking around with him and then, then how cool would it be to be that guy that actually people i started to see it on some forums and threads like people were starting to recognize that he was around forever and um he gets called in to do the last scene and they keep such tight wraps on this that they call him and and just say hey we we need you to come in okay we, we need you to uh, we need you in a scene and so he comes in no idea what's going on realizes only 12 people got called and He's thinking to himself, my gosh, I might be on TV. And sure enough, 
He's in the last scene that Game of Thrones ever films. Um, and I thought that was that was kind of a, a super cool thing to to see him just get super geeked about um, that last scene. And, and not only that, but he gave his jacket to Kit and Kit was wearing it the last day. And just how cool would that be just to be a huge fan of of this actor? And you give him a jacket, won't take his money, and you see him actually out wearing that jacket. Yeah, I, I got. I, I had no words, man. It was as much of a fan as I am. I would have been in the same position as that guy. But mm-hmm. it was awesome. So, what, what were your qualms? I mean, I guess. Well, before you get into it, actually, I, I have a serious question. <laughs> so, all these people were 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 super irritated with the the final season. They. Um, people people signed a petition to get it rewritten and remade and do you think after seeing this now there's a difference between do you think they should feel badly about acting that way and they should um calm down there's a difference between should and will will they feel badly will they calm down will the viewers that were pissed about season season eight ever calm down will will, will they kind of be a little less irritated after seeing how much work went into it i don't think so because i think that they're internet trolls and they're selfish and they just will say nasty crap about whatever just because they're behind their computer like i've done nothing and i don't do anything really magnificent in my day-to-day but i'm gonna go ahead and super criticize this effort that's being made to entertain me that is on the scale of a great movie production. Like really bro. He no, that documentary, I don't think is going to save him. Um, So yeah, I I think there's still going to be haters. Did you notice how kind of weird? I think it was, uh, well, there's David Benioff and DB wise, and I don't know which one's which actually Um, the, the director one yeah the director the younger looking one okay it's db wise okay he's the shorter one did you yeah. notice how kind of kind of creepy and weird he was <laughs> did you did you see it I, I i'll buy it because i feel like they were there on set just to like uh i don't know to watch basically because i don't know that they could have influenced a whole lot at that point they had written the script and that's pretty much all they it's up to other people to make their vision come to reality and so it was weird sometimes how they would uh, especially his last words to to kit were just kind of didn't seem did i i don't know him i I hate to make a judgment off a guy after only hearing him speak sure authentically a couple times we've heard him after in the post show ever throughout the seasons but yeah, it, it struck me as a weird guy. I think he almost have to be to be one of those kind to, of characters. To write like that. Yeah, yeah. sure. I, I just noticed a, a couple times he gave like a hug to people and he would, <laughs> he like snuck a kiss on their cheek. Like as he was going in, it was just a really quick, as their cheek was going past his face, he would just plant a kiss right on it. It was, it didn't look terribly welcomed, but it was, it was funny nonetheless. It's a, maybe it's a rich people thing. I remember people used to do that. Uh, they would just kiss people on the cheek. I don't know. I, I can't do yeah. it. It's European. <laughs> right. So tell me tell me your qualm. Let's hear it. Uh, I got two qualms. The songs. Like, there was a Barry Manilow song just because yeah. the director happened to like Barry Manilow. And it didn't make any sense to th- anything in the, in the show. It was just, they were unnecessary. It was such a good documentary. 
leave it how it is. Planet Earth 2 doesn't break out into a Barry Manilow song. Just let us absorb what we're seeing. And it's definitely good enough on its own. You didn't need to church it up with that. And then there was another cheesy song earlier that I didn't know. It was just completely unnecessary and distracting. That was my (laughs) big qualms. Sure, sure. Um, Okay, well, again, if you haven't finished Game of Thrones, you should. And if you haven't watched a documentary, well worth your time. It's uh, it, like Matt said, it's it's super interesting. It was super fun to watch, kept me engaged, and it was a nice little um, cap to Game of Thrones. Uh, of course, we have some spinoffs coming up, and, and as those as information is released on those, we'll definitely talk about them um, or talk about that information, but. For now, we'll move on to a show that Matt and I have both watched. I think I'm a little further ahead than Matt is, um, but Chernobyl on HBO, which is evidently getting some of the highest ratings of any TV show that people have ever seen, Matt. Yeah, I'm going to binge to catch up because it just feels like that kind of a show for me. Um, but it it is it is on an equal scale of the kind of scope of trauma that's happening as some of these, any other great show that basically you want to know what happened. Everybody wants to know what happened and you can't, nor would anyone want to have a documentary on the actual thing that's happening. And so this has got to be from people's recollections and stories and things like that. Again, I'll be a little bit better prepared for next time, but I'm definitely getting into it. It looks amazing. I don't think anybody's hated it so far. Yeah. 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 I think it's something we'll continue to talk about. Um, I, w- which episode have you finished? One. One. <laughs> okay. No, that's fine. I, I don't think that's an issue. I think uh, it'd be a good show to talk about later. Obviously, we record this podcast on Mondays. The show comes out on Monday. Um, my wife and I, Rachel, um, Matt's sister, actually, um, th- they we both like the show. So we watch it together and, and we try to do it each Monday night, but now it's going to get a little tricky with this, uh, this podcast recording. So we'll try to stay up to date on that. Um, I'm a big fan. I mean, it's been, uh, I'm in four episodes, I think maybe just three episodes by now. And each one's been gripping. Um, it's super interesting to see the politics of, of Russia and just the fact that they can control, like the state controls the media and what goes out. Um, they waited so long to again i don't want to spoil anything for you matt but uh you know they they wait so long to actually evacuate pripyat the the city closest to the power plant yeah Um, in fact they wait until germany germany evacuates parts of germany because because of this and they haven't even russia hasn't even evacuated the city that's a couple miles from the power plant and they realize at that point okay we got to um, get rid of this, but it's such a huge disaster. And in fact, you know, we talk about Chernobyl. One of the best missions in call, any Call of Duty's game, a Call of Duty game, happened in Pripyat. Do you remember that one? Oh, I guess I don't. Is it the airport? No, that's that's the one where it's the sniper mission um, from. I think it's Modern Warfare Two. Okay, um, in the snow. You well, you have it's it's all stealth, right? You have to. Um, it's Call of Duty Four, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it is four. <clears throat> and you, you have to. You're with the. Um, 
the Russian general or whatever, and you have to uh, roll through and uh, stay away from the troops. And if you if you're spotted by this big group of troops, then you have to um, fight them all off, and you're pretty much done for. Um, if you do it on any level of difficulty, worth a darn. Yeah, yeah. No, so so let me go back. It's Modern Warfare Two where it first comes up, and it's uh, it's uh, called like all gillied up, I think. And yeah, you just go through and there's radiation. If you go too far into certain radiation, you have your own disseminator. And uh, if you go too far into radiation, you die. And it's just, it's a super uh, fantastic. Um, nice. Fantastic. Do that as tradition. a uh, follow up now. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And the map is so similar. It's like, it's super weird to watch the show because the map on call of duty is, is so similar to, what you actually experience on that uh, episode. So anyway, we'll, we'll get more into Chernobyl as we uh, move forward throughout the weeks. Matt's will, Matt will catch up and we'll, we'll actually oh, yeah. sit down and uh, talk about specific scenes that stand out and character development, etc. So um, I think as far as TV shows, Chernobyl's the only one that Matt and I have really watched um, or it's the only show that Matt and I have both watched. Uh, but I think we'll get into a little s- section where we kind of talk about some stuff we're watching individually. And Matt, why don't you start with uh, with a show that you've been watching? Uh, so I started on Shit's Creek. And I know it's been out for a little while. It's got like six seasons. But if you have not watched Shit's Creek, it's a phenomenal post-show to Game of Thrones. It takes very little focus, and yet it isn't, intellectually uh shallow in any way you need to be paying need to be smart enough to like keep up with it but there's so much like lowbrow humor too and it makes fun of rich people it makes fun of um the valley girls and the like really popular people in school it makes fun of the hillbilly redneck people it is equal opportunity and super quick-witted. It's a lot like Letterkenny, and I know no one does Letterkenny, but it's that kind of quick wit that I love in a show, and it keeps me entertained, I guess. And uh, so, yeah, Shit's Creek is phenomenal, and it's won like a bunch of awards. But if you haven't watched it, it's one of like seven that I'm watching, but it's amazing. So that's a that's a Canadian show as well, right? Uh, when I say as Shits well, Creek, yeah. I mean um, Letterkenny. Letterkenny is is definitely Canadian. Yes, I am. I'm about ninety five percent sure Shit's Creek is uh, Canadian, and it's on Netflix. So that's how you get a hold of it. There you go, Shit's Creek. Um, for me, a show that I've watched, I think just one episode of, but really enjoyed it and really anticipate sitting down and watching the rest is Catch Twenty Two. It's on Hulu. Um, it is um, based on a novel that. A lot of people have read. Did you ever read it as an English major? Did you I, read Catch Twenty Two? If it was assigned, I skipped it. No, I yeah, didn't. sure, sure. <laughs> um, so I didn't read it either, and I'm not sure in school we ever, um, it was ever assigned. But uh, anyway, uh, according to IMDb, I'll, I'll read you their um, description here in a second. But it's on Hulu. It's about. Uh, a, a young guy who it's played by Christopher Abbott and he plays a guy called Yosarian and, and he is, is a pilot or actually he's a bomber in 
World War II, I believe. And his job as a bomber is to, um, he has to run 25 missions. And they're all super scary because he's in the nose of this plane. And his mission is to bomb ground troops and bases in Germany. And there's there's anti-aircraft um weaponry firing at him at all times and he doesn't want to do it you can tell it's it's apparent from the very beginning he does not want to be a part of this war and so the first episode not really a spoiler because it's the first episode and um kind of the premise of the show is he keeps going back to the doctor and saying look you got to get me out of here you got to get me out of here um he's getting close to his 25 missions i think he's at like 16 or 18 or something um close to 25 before he can be discharged and he finally tells the doctor like look you gotta get me out of here just tell him i'm crazy tell him i can't do it and he said actually there's a problem um if you're if you're crazy you can't fly missions but if you're crazy you won't come and tell me that you're crazy right like if if you're actually crazy enough to fly missions then you're not going to come tell me you're crazy but as soon as you come tell me you're crazy you're not actually crazy so i can't tell you to i can't tell them that you're not fit to run missions does that make sense to you matt did i explain that well enough yeah no and that's the classic catch Catch 22 yeah exactly so there's pretty much no way out for this guy and so i'm looking forward to to seeing how he deals with that um kind of turmoil going forward and again it's really well done it's actually um it's directed by george clooney and george clooney has kind of a smaller role at the beginning and i think that's probably it for him i don't think he uh he has any more um screen time i think he's just kind of a uh, a director moving forward and then Hugh Laurie is also in it he popped up in the first episode uh it's kind of like a a hipster major I guess uh he he has his own tent and he has a record player and plays horseshoes and um wants like the finest food and meat etc so again super super good show to check out I hope Matt I hope you at least watch one episode that so yeah. we can we can discuss that but definitely worth uh, worth checking out. So you know me. Give me a weekend, and I'll probably be done with it. You know. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So uh, let's let's flip it back over to you. Uh, give me another show. Uh, Jailbirds. Jailbirds is also on Netflix, but it is a the inside story of a bunch of women. It's a women's prison in Sacramento, and <laughs> these women are mostly just awaiting trial, and yet it's jail, like straight up nasty as bad as you could possibly think of a jail and amidst all of the muck and the mire and the clogged toilets that overflow and, uh, and the orange juice that they let sit and rot so that they can turn it into alcohol called Pruno, they fall in love. And you know how they fall in love, Evan? Hmm. They talk to the boys downstairs through the toilet system. When the toilets are empty, they can talk down to the boys below them and these women fall in love with the guys below them through the toilets i met him on the toilet is a phrase from jailbirds i can't i can't get enough of these wacky it's it's like real life 
uh, uh, Orange is the New Black. Like I watched Orange is the New Black immediately afterwards. I was like, is this really accurate? It's hella accurate and it's even better. It is, uh, it's definitely worth checking out and it's as funny as it is tragic and scary and terrifying and makes me never want to go to jail ever. Jailbirds. Yeah. What, what, what's it on again? Netflix? Netflix. Yep. Okay. Um, interesting. So I'll give you one that I tried to watch and couldn't, didn't enjoy. And it's called Pen 15. Um, and yeah, that's on Hulu. It's like a play on the look of it as penis or some sh- like that. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's the, the writers to two, two women, uh, they wrote the show and they're the, also the, the act actresses, the main, um, main actors in the show. And their names, uh, Maya Rudolph, Maya, Maya Erkson. No, oh, sorry, sorry. Maya Erkson and, and Anna Conkle. Um, they're both 31 years old, but they, they somehow make themselves look young enough to be middle school girls. And it's, they're super awkward. Um, and honestly, I, I think, I think they do a good enough job. Um, it's hard it's hard to explain i don't want to say i don't want to bash the show by any means because i think that they've written it well it's just not for me um because it's from a girl's perspective um it's mainly girl problems rachel my wife she did really like it um and and you know if you're a if you're a husband or a fiance or a boyfriend that, that spends a lot of evening time with this girl um and she's looking for something that that you can both watch at least give this one a try but it wasn't for me it was a little over the top um not terribly funny in my opinion but rachel liked it she said she's gonna keep watching it so um, there you go that's even better you pass them off to the other room and you go back to jailbirds or whatever (laughs) yeah exactly um give me one more matt is there anything else uh, new one that I'm excited to start watching. I'll give you that. A Rim of the World, another Netflix movie, but show, but it's uh, sort of like Stranger Things. It looks like it's about yeah, I saw that four young teens, uh, not even teens, like preteens, in 1980s. It supposedly is 1980s culture ad hominem or ad nauseum, um, and I'm all about that. I mean, I grew up in Ghostbusters and. Um, the early Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and arcade games. And um, I, I'll, I will definitely be watching it. Uh, it started out a little wacky and then I fell asleep because I started really late at night. But Rim of the World is my new movie that I'm going to start along with everything else. Good deal. So we'll save some other ones for later episodes, but let's move into um a trade actually we'll save that for the disney section let's talk about the terminator trailer or at least terminator for just a second so i'll i'll be forthright i'm not a terminator guy um but i have been in the presence of some people that are terminator fans recently who have watched the trailer and they're super stoked yes matt I, I, we haven't even talked about this are you a terminator guy have you I seen am. them do you like them good y- yeah again i was uh, it kind of hit in my wheelhouse of being a young kid in the 1990s and like loving Terminator 2. It was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen in my life. Uh, and that is kind of where they needed to stop, I think, for a while because T3 was goofy. Terminator Salvation was goofy. Like, 
in my opinion, action wise, amazing, but they sort of have gone off the rails. Uh, Amelia Clark, I think, was in one of them. Interesting. Yeah, she was Sarah Connor at one point. Yeah, like, but yeah, I am jacked for the new one. Um, it looks amazing, both because Sarah Connor's the real, the original Sarah Connor's in it, um, and it has. You can tell it's got crazy action. It's got a character that looks even more terrifying than T T one thousand. Like that dude was indestructible, and this dude looks even more indestructible. Give me some of that. It looks like Ghost from the Matrix movies. Those ghost dudes that had the fight in the freeway where they would like morph through cars and stuff. That's yeah. what this dude does. And then like chucks a, uh, a, a spike through the back of the car. It's going to be incredible. And with the sign on of obviously Arnold st- stays with all of them in some kind of a capacity. Um, but the original Sarah Connor is going to bring some fire to this and it's going to be fun. Awesome. So we're we're gonna actually post um, the the Terminator trailer on our forums, and uh, we'll get to those forums in a second. But I uh, want to hear what you have to say, and that's gonna do it for our first segment. Actually, we've got some other stuff we wanted to get to, but um, we've been talking for a while, so we're gonna take a, just a quick break. Tell you about our forums and our website and some other stuff, and then uh, when we come back, we will talk about some Disney topics. Yeah. During this quick break, I want to take a second to tell you about our member forum section. It's a brand new feature that allows members to discuss any and all topics that interest them. As a member, you can join in any discussion or start a new one. Membership is 100% free and you can join with just a few clicks. Just visit www.3brothersmedia.com forum today. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the weekly podcast. We are moving into our second segment, which I'm excited about, and I'm sure Matt is absolutely geeked about um, to have a platform to to talk about his Disney knowledge. But um, guys, I'm, I'm telling you from from my perspective, I moved into this family. Uh, I, don't know, I think Rachel and I started dating in 2013, 2014, and so I've been around you guys for five years, Matt, and. I have never seen someone more passionate about any topic, period, but especially <laughs> Disney than you are. So I, I want to I start this segment by hearing from you. Why Disney, man? Well, what happened in your life where you decided Disney is what you're all about? Deep childhood trauma. <laughs> <laughs> uh disney it's funny it's it's morphed over the years as a kid i went to disney world a couple times i grew up with tons of mickey mouse stuff but i looked at it as an entire world that i could kind of escape to and when i watch these movies both the songs and i mean i'm growing up with little mermaid aladdin and lion king kind of those early uh that version but then i got into all the old stuff that i because my mom bought it and i was I was just as enthralled by Cinderella and Snow White and Bambi as I was with this new stuff. And um, there was a escapism to it. There was a quality to the animation that was just different than the Saturday morning cartoons or anything like that. Um, There were characters I could relate to. 
there were voices that sounded familiar. They, they reuse a lot of actors. So it was just a comfortable place for me. Now, as an adult, though, my Disney fascination transitioned into uh, just an appreciation for how in the world it all got created in the first place. And I started following Walt down the rabbit hole of, of his whole life story. I've kind of gone into that in my own time. Um, and then just an appreciation for the parks themselves too i'm a huge parks fan disney parks i have not been to disneyland but world multiple times and going back here in january so it is uh you're right i'm i'm die hard and it's because of the quality of work that they put out and the kind of emotional and they'll say that to you straight up the thing that they produce is emotions and they do a great job of it Sure. And, uh, you know, from a personal standpoint, just a story for for all you listeners. Um, I went to Disney World for the first time in my whole entire life last March. Um, In fact, arrived there on my birthday, March 24th, uh, 2018. I was with Matt and his now wife, Ashley, as well as my nephew, Matt's son, Bennett, uh, my wife, Rachel, and my mother-in-law, Matt's mom, uh, Becky. And we drove down to disney we we drive into the park well not even into a park but um into what do you call it the disney properties yeah um, in the resort and we get to the resort which what was the resort called old key west we, we get to old key west and we pull up to the gate and matt shows the shows some card and this guy looks at him with sincere just love and admiration for matt and says welcome home matt and I saw that and I, I laughed. I mean, it was kind of cringy from, from the back seat. But then I realized like it, it, what you just said, Matt, is Disney plays on emotions. Yeah. And the way he looked at you, it wasn't just like, oh, welcome home. Like, I, I have to say this. Oh, welcome home. No, dude, this guy literally like reached into Matt's heart and just tickled it for a second. <laughs> like welcome home matt um and so yeah just uh a fantastic experience for me and matt was just a, a basically a, a free tour guide um historian walking around and so again i'm just super excited to um tap into matt's knowledge throughout this series and again it's for the foreseeable future there's a, there's about what 400 disney movies we can cover there's plenty um, of meat on the bone there <laughs> yeah we're not going to cover 400 disney movies don't worry um but we've got a lot to cover, and, and I'm super excited about it. I mean, you look at the Disney catalog of, of just movies. Forget forget um, forget TV shows, man. Like just just movies. You you've yeah. got you can go all the way back to movies like uh, that darn cat, and and <laughs> like just gee, these random titles that you've probably heard of, but maybe didn't realize they were Disney. Um, you know, Snow White is what? Is Snow White the first movie that they came out with? Period. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs was the first feature length animated movie. Yeah. And, and then, I mean, you just go through time. You can talk about, um, you know, Cinderella came out probably the 40s or 50s. Treasure Island is one that uh, they, they took that Robert Louis Stevenson book and, and made it into a full length feature. Um, Sword in the Rose. You got. Uh, Johnny Tremaine, Old Yeller is a Disney movie. Some people don't realize that. You're getting these uh, live actions. Yeah, there's just there's so much. Uh, Babes in Toyland, one of my favorites um, as a child because of my grandmother. Um, it, it was you know one one of Disney's old movies from the 50s and 60s. And so again, who knows what we're gonna get into? But 
super excited for for this journey but matt since it's our first episode let's just go on you'll probably talk about your favorites way in more in depth than i will but let's go top five disney movies okay okay um if you can i know there's probably a ton but if you can and let's start with number five and actually let me go first because i want you to be able to talk in depth about your top favorite and i want that to be the last thing uh, we do so my number five is and you got to remember my disney um my my disney background starts in the 90s and so uh my deducts one is number five (laughs) um super strange i know but that's a movie i can watch over and over and over again i watched it when i was I mean, I probably saw it for the first time when I was like four or five, maybe six years old. And I had just gotten my first pair of rollerblades. And, um, you know, I never actually played hockey growing up, but it was just a movie. Kids around my age that were just as awkward as I was um, and probably just as talented as I was, too. Like just not very athletic kids um, navigating through life and, and, and hockey against players that are superior to them. And um, it's just, I don't know. This is a movie that I really enjoy and I still watch often. So Matt, what about your number five? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how many, how many Anaheim mighty ducks starter jackets were sold in the nineties? Oh man. I know it. Disney was genius for, for <laughs> starting that franchise everywhere. Uh, my number five is the little mermaid. Um, as much as it's not a man, the Little Mermaid has a big backstory to it. It is what resurrected the Disney animated feature division um, that was almost ready to die under Michael Eisner and the uh, shift towards television and moving away from and live action and moving away from the animated. And it wasn't until Roy E. Disney which is Walt's nephew, Walt's brother's son stepped in and basically fought like hell to get the animated division saved. And the only way they did it is they pulled in this Broadway guy named Howard Ashman and he collaborating with Alan Menken made the songs of the little mermaid and the things that we remember now we take for granted as, Oh yeah, that's just another Disney movie, but it almost didn't happen. Um, it, it is a phenomenal story. It is my, one of my brother's favorite movies. And so it's, it's got a big, big backstory that I'd love to get into in another show, but the little mermaid is my number five. Right. And, and just so you know, Alan Ashman, um, he's the same guy behind little shop of horrors, yeah. um, beauty and the beast, Aladdin, which uh, I think yep. we'll probably talk about Aladdin next week, uh, unless it's in your top five, which we'll get to. Um, <laughs> but he's he's done a, a lot of really cool things for Disney and then outside of Disney as well. Um, yeah. One of my one of my favorite um, song uh, songwriters. So okay, so that's Little Mermaid number five for me. Number four is Pocahontas. Okay, right. and. You all need to, to understand something, and, and I can get my mom on this show someday to prove it or to at least try to prove it to you, <laughs> but I am related to Pocahontas. My great aunt went back multiple generations and traced us to um, the John Rolfe line, and John Rolfe, if you're unfamiliar with the story because Pocahontas shows her 
happy happily ever after with John Smith, sort of kind of. Um, John Rolfe actually ended up marrying Pocahontas. And so just the fact that I learned at a young age that Pocahontas was a, a relation of mine, um, I, got, I got really into it, watched it all the time. There's, there's not much more to it other than the fact that um, I'm a descendant of Pocahontas. Nice. And again, if you don't believe me, um, I think my mom has Twitter. I, I don't know. You can ask her on, on Twitter or Facebook you, or whatever it takes. Are you related to any U.S. senators that might be running for president? Yeah, I'm 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 gonna run for no, never mind. I am one sixteenth Native American, so <laughs> there you go. My number four is Fantasia. Um Ooh, another nice. one with a crazy backstory, but I love the concept of being able to listen to I I'm not a big classical music fan, so if I listen to classical music, I have to play the Fantasia game and I close my eyes and I think, what's happening? What's what is this music telling me? And the fact that I learned from a young age, sometimes music is just for music's sake. Sometimes music tells a story. Sometimes it elicits emotion and it's up to you to decide what that is. And it was a really empowering thing for me, even just going into liberal arts as a study. Um, I've, I realized, holy crap, I've got some power to explore what art does to me and what it does to other people and what that means and talk about it. And it's kind of what we're doing here. Um, but Fantasia is fantastic. If you haven't seen it or haven't seen it in a while, definitely go back. It's, it's one that you can revisit multiple times. Fantasia 2000 was cool. It was actually meant never to, never to be an ending. It was, it was meant to be a film that never ended. Um, and so I wouldn't be surprised if they did a Fantasia 2020 or something like that. I, obviously, it hasn't been announced, so maybe 2030. But um, we will see more of the Fantasia format, I'm sure, in the future. That's All me. right. Nice. So number three for me is one that some people might not realize is actually a um, a Disney movie. Remember the Titans. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of funny. if uh, We just had a discussion about Remember the Titans the other day on uh, – on our while we were playing video games but um remember the titans for some reason for me so i saw that i think it came out what 2000 and i just specifically remember being in the movie theater in bluffton it's a one screen theater pretty small um, i was with my parents and there was something about well obviously i was i was a football player back then i was in junior high at that point uh, maybe even midget football and um I loved I loved the football aspect and that was the probably the first thing I remember in 2000 I'm 8 years old um maybe even 7 at that point and that was the first thing that really helped me start to understand kind of the civil rights movement and um kind of the history of race relations in our country and, and you know up to that point I had no idea just I was just a naive little kid and um, that kind of had an impact on me and then I remember specifically sitting in that theater and when when Gary Brodeur died and they started singing um, at the end man that hit me hard and I don't know why but it, it definitely stirred some emotions in me and um, it's just stuck with me ever since and I, I can watch that movie anytime and, and get a ton of enjoyment out of it you're not the only one who's cried at Remember the Titans. I, I pretty much still cry every time I watch it. So it yeah. is what it is. Yeah. All right. My number three is Sleeping Beauty. Uh, Sleeping Beauty is um, 
in the Disney annals, not as not as highly respected as a classic. I think it gets overshadowed by the uh, Cinderella's and the um, even Pinocchio or Snow White. But we got to remember Sleeping Beauty's castle is the Disneyland castle. I think it was one of the movies that was very near and dear to Walt's heart. It was Mm -hmm. animated slightly different. If you watch little Sleeping Beauty, it was animated in a style that was uh, that changed the game a little bit from the earlier iteration the earlier movies of bambi cinderella snow white um which i thought was cool um i also think maleficent is one of the best um villains in disney history and yeah nice little classic movie but it's definitely up there in my top five yeah that was actually one that i watched uh, a lot as a kid you know again in the 90s um i think they re-released sleeping beauty on Mm -hmm. vhs and 10 years yeah and so we had um we had a bunch of them, but Sleeping Beauty was one that, for some reason, I sat down and watched a ton. Um, it's kind of a nostalgia thing for me. But um, number two for me, I'm going to bring back Mighty Ducks and talk about uh, Mighty Ducks D2, <laughs> which was just a bit better than Mighty Ducks D1. I, I Again, it, it was just sweet when they brought it back. We got to see our, you know my my hockey heroes like, like Charlie Conway and, and Banks and Goldberg obviously was, was a big one. And um, it was, yeah, it was cool when it came back and they were just a little bit older and again, kind of similar to my age at that point. And so could, could definitely, um, uh, I don't know, associate with them and um, identify with, with some of the stuff they were going through as, you know, kind of awkward teenagers, but also, uh, the the exciting uh, exciting bits on the ice. They're just really cool. And in fact, uh, I've got a bunch of movie posters down in my basement. Half of them are uh, well, in my basement. My basement is now the the 3BM Studios. But um, mighty. So I have Breakfast Club. I have Goodwill Hunting, uh, Forrest Gump. Some of these are my wife's. Some of them are mine. I've got Django Unchained, and I've got Mighty Ducks D2. And so it made my my list of of top movies for for posters in the Damn, basement top um, movies overall yeah well i mean again and it, it's actually a really cool poster just really colorful and <laughs> and neat so anyway mighty ducks d2 second favorite disney movie that works um uh, my second would be toy story one um nice again came out when i was a little bit younger but uh super appreciative of um uh the whole Pixar digital transition. I remember being just awestruck. I mean, I think my kid isn't going to appreciate how cool toy story was when it came out. It was life changing. It was for, for what we viewed animation as, and now it can be done on a computer. And, uh, the, the story is so classic. The voices and the actors are so amazing. It stands up to the test of time. It, it will go down as one of the greatest classic Disney movies of all time. I, I love Toy Story. That's my two. Nice. I think that's a great, uh, great pick. Um, my number one's Lion King. <laughs> and, uh, might be something we agree on. We'll see. I'm, I'm excited to hear what your number one is. Lion King is the first movie that I saw in the movie theater as a kid. Now, I don't specifically remember seeing it in the movie theater, but my mom will tell anyone that will listen the story of the first time I saw Lion King, 
we were it was super quiet you know it's a big big movie for disney and packed theater uh, everyone excited to see it and um simba needs help man uh, I, my mom my mom will tell it you know simba was uh his, his dad just just fell off the ledge and simba's yelling for help and it's super quiet everyone's kind of somber and all of a sudden uh little evan who could probably who probably just started talking yelled somebody help him in the middle of this theater as loud as i could and um everyone i guess started laughing and uh it stuck with my mom for a long time but past that lion king just uh I don't know, just a, a fantastic movie. I, I definitely have a bond with my father. I uh, always did. And um, it definitely was emotional for me to see, um, you know, him lose his father. And, and my dad was definitely that um, that figure in my life, just a powerful, nothing could ever stop him, nothing will ever stop him uh, type thing. And obviously, I'm fortunate that my, my father's still alive, but I could, I could, definitely feel that emotion with Simba. You know, what if dad did die? And for some reason, I, that's what, uh, that's what always stuck with me was, was just how sad it was that his father died and seeing him kind of come back. I don't know. It just, it's, it's hard to explain. So some of these movies, man, like you, you think back to, to what originally made you like the movie so much. Uh, it, it's tough to remember that, but you remember how often you watched it, and and it's super nostalgic when you when you see it or hear about it. And definitely looking forward to the the live action version coming up. For sure, um, it's like walking into Disney World. You don't know why you feel just automatically yeah. happy, but you do. And there's a lot of we can get into the reasons why. There's the psychology behind it, but they do such a masterful job of just lulling you into a great story and uh it's phenomenal so phenomenal pick i couldn't agree more in fact i do agree lion king is my number one favorite movie of all time disney um it is i i gotta play on the father-son thing a little bit uh i'm just recently a father but it's there, it's the male version of Bambi. It's the father-son version of Bambi, first of all. The almost entire story arc matches. Um, but the way it was done, the acting, the the drama of an, a lion getting along with a warthog and a meerkat, um, the comedy that was in it, the songs are all bangers. I mean, yeah. anybody who doesn't know those songs is silly. Um, and then I personally adopted Hakuna Matata um, as a way to say like, yeah, screw it. Hakuna Matata. So <laughs> it became like a mantra for my life um, in both good and bad. It probably shouldn't have been. So uh, it means no worries. Yeah, no worries. I didn't pass that class or no worries. I didn't turn in that paper on time. Yeah. No, yeah. actually, Matt, you oh. should worry. How many years did you spend in college? <laughs> uh, I was a super senior. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but I got a piece of paper. Uh, but yeah, Lion King is a baller, man. It's it's the best. I, I'm sure we're, we're not alone in that. I bet other people right. would agree. So there you have it. My top five. Mighty Ducks 1, Pocahontas. Remember the Titans, the Mighty Ducks, D2, and the Lion King. And then Matt's, his number five was Little Mermaid, then Fantasia, Sleeping Beauty, Toy Story 1, and Lion King. So we let's... 
that was a great a great segment a great way to kick off our um our, our disney series if you will but let's talk about disney plus man um as a as a diehard disney fan how excited are you for the potential of disney plus so I, I, I'm a, I'm probably not as excited as other people because I already own half of these movies anyway. I have spent my life accumulating every single Disney movie on DVD, Blu-ray, all the different sets. I buy them all. And then all of a sudden we're just going to be able to be subscribed and like Thanos, everybody gets all the movies. <laughs> I'm right. pissed. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be great because there are some holes in my library. Um, it'll be amazing to be able to kind of at a moment's notice, be able to go into different oddball movies or movies I haven't seen in a long time. Um, and I, cause I'm not as big one for those Disney channel original movies, the decoms. Um, but the breadth and depth of Disney plus is going to be fantastic and i will be a day one today infinity subscriber so disney plus will have seven thousand episodes um uh, approximately uh, of television series uh, 400 to 500 movies expected to be available when it launches um and then don't forget they're gonna release plenty of uh different superhero movies you know disney bought the rights to marvel and so they'll have um hawkeye falcon winter soldier scarlet witch um and then they have a ton of star wars projects on the horizon Uh, i know this isn't necessarily all part of disney plus but just the the future of disney right they have um a bunch of star wars coming up they have frozen 2 toy story 4 uh, and, and just the, the live action remake of the Lion King. I mean, the future of Disney, Disney, it, it looks like Matt and correct me if, if, or let me know if you think I'm wrong. The future of Disney looks like a monopoly. If it isn't already. Yeah. It's tough to argue with that. I mean, they, so they own ABC, they own ESPN. Um, and then they're going to, they're, they're steadily taking over online. They've just bought out a, a third of the share of Hulu. So there'll be a controlling uh, partner in Hulu uh, taking over for Comcast. They bought out Fox. Uh, yeah, it, it's tough to see that. But they're literally going to have to start getting stopped if they, I'm sure they have already and I'm not as, as up to date on it, but somebody's got to slow Disney down and I'm the Disney fan. And I'm saying that, I mean, they're taking over everything, dude. Yeah. I mean, Disney owns ABC, ESPN, like you said, touchstone pictures, Marvel, Lucasfilm, A and E, the history channel, lifetime, Pixar, Hollywood records, vice media, core publishing, um, the rights to star Wars, Muppets, Marvel, Disney princesses, obviously Chronicles of Narnia, Pirates of the Caribbean, Winnie the Pooh, Indiana Jones, um and just you know just so much (laughs) yeah it looks like a monopoly to me um and don't forget disney's pulling all their their stuff from netflix and last i checked um disney material made up 16 percent of netflix's catalog okay and now obviously it doesn't necessarily mean it's 16 percent of of netflix Netflix's profits that are going out the window, but let's just say it is 16% of what they made last year. They made somewhere like $850 million in, in revenue last year, Netflix. If you take away 16% of that, that's a big chunk. 
I mean, that's uh, what, 100, 110 million or something like that out of their mm-hmm. pocket. Um, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And there could definitely be repercussions for some of these other streaming sites. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've got Amazon Prime. I'm a subscriber to that too. And I don't really know how, how much is on there. There's a little bit here and there. Uh, a lot of the on demand is still viable, I think, because they've got newer movies that aren't even released to the streaming services yet. But it's going to be real tough to get away from having a subscription to something in the near future. You're just not going to, you're not going to be able to keep up with the Joneses uh, unless you listen to this show all the time. Um, if you don't have some kind of a subscription, your water cooler conversation is going to be boring. Right. So Netflix is going to have to step up their game with original stuff. Um, right now, in fact, it seems like Netflix is kind of going the, the, um, quantity over quality route, right. And just releasing a bunch of stuff and I, I can't call it garbage yet because I haven't watched it all, but none of it really looks that intriguing to me. Obviously stranger things is coming out July 4th. Uh, I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but, but you know, Netflix's offerings are just kind of bland. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's not just more targeted and they've got certain shows that are just, it's almost like we're watching a, a TV channel that has only one show on each um so like there's one show that's targeted towards uh middle-aged uh divorcees etc called dead to me Uh, it's actually about two widows or a widow and a half it's a it gets complicated from episode one but long story short if you're a 35 to 40 year old woman that is a really really hilarious perfect show for you i enjoy it and i'm a 30 something year old guy. Um, I think that there's certain really good quality programming. It's just, they span so much and it all kind of overlaps with things that we watch. I I don't think it's that bad. Honestly, I think there's a lot of Netflix movies, original stuff that uh, does really well. Isn't umbrella Academy uh, and Netflix original too. That's another kind of superhero flick. Um, I'm 99.9% sure it is now that I say it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you on that. I I think Netflix does okay. I will be interested to see, though, how much of a hit they take when Disney Plus comes out, especially when all the Marvel stuff gets pulled. It's going to be really interesting. No kidding. Okay, well, I think that's good for today's show, man. Yeah, man. Good good start. uh, Yeah, and and I hope everyone that that listened enjoyed it. I hope that um, you go and, and... become a member of three brothers media you can join on our site for free and it will be free for the foreseeable future if it ever becomes not free you'll be grandfathered in so uh, get ahead of the curve and uh, remember we have some some forums that you know we're just getting started not a ton of posts on there but uh, we'll try to stay active and getting new topics up for you to discuss with the rest of the three brothers community and um yeah, man, just super excited. Glad that you've you've tuned in and I uh, hope you continue to do so. And remember, you can check out our weekly stream, the the team stream on Thursday nights from 9 to 11 p.m. And then on Sundays, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, we will cover three episodes at a time starting this Sunday with, uh, well, the first three episodes of the whole entire series. So looking yeah, forward to that. 
Uh, Matt, anything else before we let the people go? Nah, welcome to the club and uh, comment, like, share, do all the fun stuff, man. Because uh, the the more we hear from you, the better content we got to put out. So let's keep it going. Absolutely. And again, I echo that. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, I'm Evan. He's Matt. And this has been the Weekly Podcast presented by Three Brothers Media. <laughs>